Hello, Maple Grove. How's everybody in Maple Grove doing? I'm so excited about what's going on in Maple Grove. You guys have no idea. There's hundreds of people every Sunday morning that are worshiping in Maple Grove at the same time as we are in Spring Lake Park, and both of us are one campus. And so I think we're one church anyways. We might be in two different locations, but we're one church family, and I'm so glad to worship with you guys. Hey, I want to, uh, I want to mention a couple things before I go any further. One, our youth ministry has been at a weekend retreat, and, uh, and they'll be coming back today. And I'm praying that God continues to keep that which he started in our teenagers. So please put them on your prayer list. I want to see a move of God amongst our youth ministry. Amen. So keep praying if you could. Second thing I want to mention is, is that uh, your pastor sometimes will leap forward in faith before he asks his church. And I did something a couple week, weekends ago when Pastor Choco was here. How many remember Pastor Choco? Pastor Choco uh, was here, and on that Sunday night, we, we received an offering. It was a spontaneous offering, and uh, we saw uh, $47,000 come in to see girls rescued from sex trafficking, the slave trade, and it was amazing. And we already had a commitment to, uh, to work with an organization here in the United States leading up the Super Bowl and beyond. Uh, to, and much of that money went to that. We also sent $10,000 to the farm that Pastor Choco talked about and uh, where uh, they have a ministry set up to take prostitutes off the street in Chicago and they go and they're on the farm and they find their new life and they're sent out into the world with a new life, amen? And, uh, and so uh, we sent that 10000 Well, I got this phone call from Pastor Choco. Pastor Choco says... Nate? And I said, yes, sir, because <laughs> that's what you do on Pastor Choco Talks. And he said, uh, he said thank you for the, the, the $10,000. It's an amazing story. He said, uh, we, we are going to buy a van for the, the, the farm ministry, and uh, it, we need 10000 more. And so guess what Pastor Nate said? <laughs> We're going to do it, Pastor Choco. So... Uh, and so I said that we would. Well, they're going ahead and going to buy the van, and they're going to present it in May uh, to a conference, and they're going to present it from the van from Emmanuel Christian Center. And, uh, and so uh, he did something he, in one of his messages where he talked about, he just got up and said, somebody here has $10,000. Give it up. <laughs> so there's my attempt. Uh, if you feel... <laughs> if you feel led uh, and you want uh, feel moved to be a part of uh, purchasing that van and we need 10,000 more dollars, just get an envelope and put on their van or the farm and we'll make sure we'll put that into that account. Praise the Lord. All right. All right, now we're in, in week number two of identity theft, and I don't want to rehash everything about last week. In fact, if you haven't heard it, I really need you to go listen to the message or watch it online so that you can get the heartbeat behind the series and what we're talking about. But in John 10.10 10, 10 and 10.11, Jesus said that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life 
for the sheep. And we made a contrast. We looked at the contrast Jesus brought between the thief and the good shepherd. And the thief comes and he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And often he will begin with you, but then it will move outward into the relationships around you. It'll impact the core friendships and the loved ones around you and his ultimate desires to take out the next generation. And Jesus, in contrast, stands there as the good shepherd. Instead of taking things from us, he gives himself to us. Jesus is a powerful, powerful uh, love story to us that we need to recognize. And we need to resist the thief and embrace Jesus, the good shepherd. And what we talked about at the end of the message was is that we need to follow Jesus in his way if we want to see things restored and that the way of Jesus will restore how you see yourself, that the way of Jesus will transform dysfunctional relationships. And then third, we said that the Bible and biblical community are the beginning of identity transformation. And so if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to see results that, that bring hope and life to those core things which have been stolen. Today, I want, to, I want you to consider something as I begin our message. It's called Closet Wars. I want you to consider something, that in your life and in my life, the thief is in an ongoing way trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Just because you're a mature Christian doesn't mean that the enemy still doesn't come after you. All right, it means that you need to be aware that every stage, every season of your life, you and I have the responsibility to embrace the good shepherd and resist the thief. Turn to the person next to you and say, resist the thief. <laughs> I'm, you're not saying that the person next to you is the thief, you're just saying resist the thief. Now, yesterday I, I had to include this illustration because it was actually a news story in the Star Trib yesterday about a young man named Isaiah um, Atkins. And Isaiah was one of these guys in Ohio, he's a teenager, that decided he was gonna teach a school a lesson. He went to a town that no one knew him, and he discovered that there was a state senator, and the state senator's name was Senator David Burke, was going to be speaking to classes on a day in January. And what he did is he concocted this elaborate plan, and he, he, he called ahead to the school and he said, I can't make it on that day. And he impersonated Senator, the senator. And he said, I, I can't make it on that day, but I can do it in an earlier time. And so the school heard him and they adjusted it and they had him in in December instead. And so as he came in, he, he impersonated the center. He called a local uh, car dealership, and that car dealership provided him a car and a driver for the day. And this teenager came to the school. He gave him his real license with his real name, but they didn't really look at it as they signed him in. And he went into class, and he taught political classes all day long. In fact, they said it was really, really good. The problem was a few weeks later when this real senator wanted to come and he was calling ahead to confirm, he discovered that he had already been there. <laughs> and so his identity had been robbed. And, uh, and the fun part of this story is I don't think I, oh, Isaiah's in big trouble. He's in big trouble. But I, I, I think the story is nobody got hurt in the story. Nobody was taught bad things. But he impersonated him. And the senator then went to the sheriff, and the sheriff and the senator began to investigate all of the details that were wrapped in it, all the people that had been communicated with, and they had to make it right. And so as you and I consider identity theft, the same things that they went through are the same things that we have to go through if our identity has been robbed. 
What do you do when you discover you've had your identity stolen? You research and name the facts. You stop the fraud. You replace the fraud with the truth. And you make sure to protect the future. That's the same thing, the same process you and I will need to go through. And in the journey of following Jesus, we're going to have moments where we need to stop the fraud. When you recognize that something's not right, it may be inside of you, you're behaving not like the way God planted uh, or planned for you to live, or maybe you're living outside of the way that you know you could live, and it's affecting the relationships around you, you need to stop it. You need to stop the fraud. Everybody says stop the fraud. In other words, you stop it. And then you begin to make steps to make it right. That's called repentance. You turn and you address the issues and you, you, you change the facts. You replace the fraud with the truth. And then you begin to think about the future and what you need to do. But you may be saying here today, how do I restore my God identity? What does that look like on a daily basis? How can I repent or change direction? How do I do that when my friends and family haven't changed yet and they may reject me? How do I deal with the people in my life who taught me the dysfunction and I can't get away from them because I'm related to them? Well, you can see evidence of destruction in, in your family or relationships, but I want you to know that the very first step is what I talked about last week. The first thing you do is turn to the good shepherd. You don't get so caught up and worried about all the pain and everything that the thief has done. Don't give the thief too much platform time. Don't celebrate everything bad and give him all the credit. Turn to the good shepherd. He knows you best. He knows how to lead you. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, hold them up. Electronic or paper, go ahead and hold them up. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read from a part of a chapter, and really all of Ephesians is, is, is powerful, as Paul talks to the church in Ephesus about their identity, and their identity needs to revolve around Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the one that transforms, and Jesus gives us the power to be transformed. And by the time we get to chapter 4, in chapter 4, Paul begins to say, not only are you called to be with Jesus, you're called in the context of being in the body of Christ or the church, that you need each other. And there are different people that are raised up to be leaders within the church so that the body can do the work of the ministry. You'll see that in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. But by the time you get to 13, in verse 13, I'm going to start there and then I'm going to skip to 21 in a second. You find that Paul is now saying to us as individuals, now it's time to step up. You may have recognized the, the fraud. You may have stopped the fraud. But now it's time to step up and be who you're called to be. Verse 13, therefore I, Paul says, as a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by who? You have been called by God. Say that with me. You have been called by God. Verse 21, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, and instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy." 
truly righteous and holy. Today, I'm talking about closet wars, and on the platform behind me, I have two sets of clothes. One is the old set of clothes, and one is the new set of clothes. On the old rack are some clothes that really are real old. I've got a Vikings Brett Favre jersey. I still keep that around for nostalgia's sake. I've got a corduroy jacket that at various times comes back in vogue in our culture. I've got an Argyle, Argyle uh, sweater that this too comes back in. If I just hold on long enough, it'll be back in again. All right? And I've got some old stuff. But one of the things I've got in my old closet is my high school letter jacket from 1987. Yeah. It even says Nate on it, okay? It, and the K is for Kentwood. Our school is called East Kentwood, but we had a K, not an E-K. And, uh, and this was my jacket. Now, when I got this, I was much smaller. <laughs> but I keep it around to remind me. Now, the old rack really represents your old life in this passage of Scripture. It's what we were. What did we think like? What did I think like when I was a teenager? I, I was pretty simplistic. I like to think that I've grown up a little bit and matured through some pain. Hello. But the old is the familiar. Paul says the former way of life, corrupted by lust and deception, and in that former way of life is selfishness and anger and, and bitterness. And I, I, I wanted to be right. And I wanted to be right over my parents. And I wanted to prove that I was the best. And really, this old rack is who you are on your worst day. You know, when you wake up without sleep and you're late to work because somebody was driving slow in the left lane. Hello. It's the insecurities that you may have because of whatever happened when you were raised and, and somebody hurt you or abused you or they took advantage of you or perhaps you were overlooked and unloved and never heard the words I love you. You know, they say that insecurity comes from those things. And when you experience insecurity, you don't wanna feel that feeling. So then when you become a husband or a wife or you become a parent, you begin to overprotect your children because you don't want that anxiety feeling. And you can carry with you old patterns in the old way of life in that old closet. But the new closet has new things in it. It's really what you're becoming. These are just, you know, newer jackets. I think I got this one like a month ago, all right? I won't tell you when I got the other ones because some of them are still kind of old. <laughs> to be truthful. But Paul says it's the new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. It's the promise of what God can make out of you. When he develops his life in you, you become new. It's actually leaving one closet and going to the other closet. Verse 13, therefore I, Paul, am a prisoner for serving the Lord. Beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. What does it mean to be called by God? It means that he actually calls you out of one thing into another. 
It's not just a calling to be a pastor. There are some people that receive the direction to assign to be a pastor or a leader or some of the things you see in Ephesians 4.11. But that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying you're all called. And to be called is to hear the voice. At some point in your journey, when you begin to feel the stir and God began to pour out his mercy, his kindness led you to repentance and you began a relationship where you heard his voice. Now the rest of your life is all about chasing the voice, not about what you get or what you have or what your career is or what you uh, experience in life. Those are all stations on the journey, but you're still following the voice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so that calling is something where it's like the old Verizon commercial. Can you hear me now? It's not just a moment when you get saved. It's a lifetime of pursuing the voice of God. Because listen, friends, there are a bunch of teenagers right now that have been hearing the voice of God freshly at our retreat at Avalanche. And they're hearing God's voice but it's not over. I want them to hear God's voice when they're 25 and when they're 35 and when they're 55 and when they're 75. Come on, somebody. When they're 95, I want them still following the call. What does it mean to be called? Well, I think sometimes we get our scripts flipped and we begin to remember who we were and what somebody else said about us or what our old behaviors were. And we go back to the old closet and the voices talk to us and we begin to hear the script. And I don't know what you fill the script in with in your life, but perhaps you've got old voices that kind of call out to you and you are listening to those voices. Proverbs 23, 7, the New King James says, for as he thinks within himself, so is he. In other words, however we think, that's how we are and who we are. Whatever you were before Christ has now undergone change. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, what this means is that those who become a Christian become new persons. They are not the same anymore for the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now this isn't just a moment because I'm talking to a lot of people here. Some of you, you're just beginning to follow Jesus. But I also know I've got people under the sound of my voice that you've been following Jesus for a long time. Your life has just begun, even if you've been following him for a long time. And you and I still have the old closet calling out to us. So we need to live off of what the new is, not what the old is. Let me give you a short list of the things that God says you are. First, you are a beloved child. John says that you are actually beloved by God as a child. Did you know that? Secondly, completely forgiven and free from all condemnation. So if you're hearing a script of condemnation, that's not the new script from heaven. Third, God's temple filled with his goodness there's actually good things in his temple for you. You are his temple. He cares about you and he wants to fill you with his goodness. Fourth, you are holy and blameless. Ephesians says that you are called to be holy and blameless. That doesn't mean some, you know, a rules person that you can't ever be happy and you're uptight. No, holy means complete. 
It means that you're not, on, you're not always chasing something else. You are connected. You're connected to God and his truth, and you are free from fear. Fifth, you are given eternal and infinitely rich inheritance. Ephesians and 1 Peter talk about that, that you are also, as a child, given something that is yours. Turn to the person next to you and say, you better get what's yours. <laughs> Sixth, you are inseparable from God's love and will never be abandoned by God. You will never be abandoned by God. Seventh, God rejoices over me with singing. I love that. You know, a good love song is when somebody sings. You know, and I'm, I'm looking at Jody, I'm like, when a man loves a woman. <laughs> you know? All right now. God sings over you. He's not mad at you. He's not a disconnected father that doesn't go to your ball games or has never attended your birthday party. God, the Father sings over you and he dances over you. There's a, there's a funness to God. He, he loves hanging with you. Sometimes he might even laugh at us, but not like in a bad way. We're, we've got to be funny if you think about it. Eighth, God throws a party for me. That's what he taught us in the story of the good father who allowed the prodigal son to come home. Or ninth, we are indwelled by a fearless spirit of love and self-control. Ten, more than a conqueror. Those are the things you are. Those are the new scripts, okay? If you catch yourself in a place where you're not living out of that, it's because you are having a battle in your mind. It's not because your spirit is messed up. The part of you that will live forever when you are saved is absolutely brand new. When you give your life to Jesus, it all changed. He forgave you of all your sin. If nobody else would get excited about that. I'm going to get excited. He forgave me of my sin, all right? And when he forgives of our sin, there is a transformation. We become born again, new people, and our spirit. All our sin is forgiven. We are a part of the family of God. All the rights and privileges in Scripture are yours now, but your mind can still act out old roles and patterns from your old life. Your mind is being changed. Your spirit is already changed. But your mind is in the process of changing and catching up to what you already are. We don't always feel that way. We got old habits, old things that we always used to do. And we put on our high school letter jacket and we go back to the old life. But that's our mind, okay? Now your mind needs to be changed over to what you already are. Your mind needs to be changed over to what you already are. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do. Be transformed. You know what? You're either being transformed or conformed in your mind. It's one or the other. And this is why I'm saying this is for the new believer as much as, and it is also for the one that's been with the Lord for decades. Your mind still is either being transformed or conformed. And there are influences on your mind. 
And the journey of change is like the process of human growth. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. So he talks about the speech, he talks about the thinking, and he talks about the reasoning. First, the speech. How we talk is a big indicator of where we're going. In our mind, the speech comes from our thoughts, right? I love what uh, LeBron James said a few years ago. He's interviewed, and um, this is actually back when he was with the Miami Heat, and they had yet to win their first world championship in the NBA. The Miami Heat is a basketball team, for those of you who don't know, and the NBA is the National Basketball Association. Okay, now we're on the same page. And LeBron James is the best player in the world, arguably. Okay. Now, LeBron James had just won a midseason game, and he was at the end of the uh, game, and they had just won, and he gets interviewed. And they said, so what do you think? You guys are on your way to win the championship, and you guys are awesome. You're amazing. He said, no, this is just one game. And he said, what we're trying to do is develop championship habits. In other words, this was one victory in our mind. We're actually working for something much larger than this one game. We're working towards a championship. And I know that our habits are what get us there. This is what I'm talking about when it comes to the mind and the speech. Self-talk is a big deal. Now, this is not a self-help talk today. But the Bible does say, however we speak, are we speaking as children or are we speaking out of the new life? Are we speaking out of the old closet or are we speaking out of the new closet? Is your speech rooted in your past or your future? Are you rehearsing what used to be, even lies about yourself, or are you speaking the truth of where you're going? Our life will follow our speech. So your speech matters. What you're talking about, what do you catch yourself doing? I want you to think about this this week. When you're in interaction with your loved ones or you're at work or you're with friends or whatever, and you begin to talk, I want you to consciously think about which closet am I pulling my speech out of? What am I catching myself talking about? Am I speaking out of my fears and all the old things that I used to be involved in? Or am I speaking out of the hope and who Jesus has called me to be? That's where you need to speak, okay? Secondly, our thought. Everybody said thought. 1 Corinthians 14, 20, Paul says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, but infants in evil. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. See, our battle is where our thoughts are. If thinking is who you are, your thinking patterns are part of the software that runs your life. Our thoughts lead to our feelings, which lead to our heart, okay? If your heart is gonna fall out of love with God or out of love with your spouse or out of love with your children or the people that are around you, it's not gonna be because it just happened. It's perpetual thoughts that lead to perpetual feelings and the heart is far behind that. If you want your heart to be in the right place, then you need to start with your thinking. What are you thinking about and how are you thinking? And we need the word of God to help us in that. Hebrews chapter four says, for the word of God is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. This is why you're, gonna, you're hearing this every single week from me. 
The Word of God is what transforms your mind. Everything else out in the world is fighting to conform your mind. The Word of God is what changes you. And when you read it, it goes deep inside and it exposes what's really going on inside. Have you ever felt all kinds of crazy thoughts going on? You're like, I don't even know what I'm thinking. I don't know what I'm feeling. You need to read the Word to straighten it out. The Word will take your mind and get out of the cobwebs and make it plain. And the third thing he said was reason. So you, your speech, your thought, and your reason. And that really has to do with what column we put things in. So when we go through life, what do we say just happened? Somebody speaks negatively to you. Do you think, ooh, that's just a reinforcement that I'm a loser and I've been hearing that through my whole life. Or do you begin to think, no, that was put in, in the old column. The new column is, Oh, they're having a problem that's not my issue, it's their issue. I'm a child of God, but I'm not going to let them destroy how I think about myself. I'm going to actually return, not with the insults and the anger. I mean, you put a D in front of anger and you get what? Danger. Instead of doing that, I'm not going to go to the old closet anymore. I'm going to go to the new closet where I have fruit of the Spirit coming out. And the fruit of the Spirit now tells me how to respond to somebody in loving kindness instead of out of my old closet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Reasoning, how we interpret life and make decisions and how we choose things. A child always reasons selfishly and asks why. But a mature person doesn't do that. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So how do I continue to grow into my new identity? And the answer is this, in the course of everyday life is where your greatest opportunities are to learn to recognize the old and from the new, and then to go to the closet of the new. So let's go back into Ephesians 4, okay, verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, everybody say throw off. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, when I am at the point of my decisions on a daily basis, I must choose to go to the new closet. And when I do, the Spirit gives me an ability to do what I could not on my own. Every time that there's a conflict, an internal conflict or an external conflict, there's an opportunity for the Spirit to lead you. And it says in there, let the Spirit, verse 23, instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. You know, I could be sitting in my house and somebody will ring the doorbell and I'm on the couch and they're outside. The doorbell is announcing that they want to meet with me, and I've got to come and open the door and allow them to come in. If you want the Spirit to lead you in your choices, then you've got to ask him to lead you in that moment. 
Now, you might not like what you're experiencing. You might not like the pain of the, uh, the struggle that you're in. Perhaps you have a struggle with sin or there's uh, uh, anger inside your heart. Or maybe you just got a, a challenge with life in general and it feels like it's overwhelming. And in the moment that you're in, you might feel like the, all the clothes you know are on this rack and you don't know anything new. And you might feel overwhelmed. That is the moment for you to open the door because the doorbell is ringing. The Spirit of God will do what you cannot do. He will turn you and lead you to the new rack. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He is the one that helps you in the moment. This is why I am convinced the Word of God is more for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday than it is even for Sunday. On Sunday, we're nice because we have to be. But on Monday is when the conflict comes and the boss says something cursed to you or somebody ticks you off. And it's in that moment that you are faced with the challenge, which rack do I go to? And even when you have gone to the old, that's not uh, something to get upset about and worried and just confirm. Maybe I'm not saved because I went to the old rack. No, you are transformed. What you do is when you recognize, and really the Spirit of God is the one that helps you recognize you had a wrong action. Anybody here feel guilty before by something you said out loud? Or you hurt somebody around you. When you hit that moment, it's the Spirit of God. Now you say, God, I don't want to do that anymore. Holy Spirit, help me. And he will take you by the hand. If you're reading the word, he will show you in the word what you need to do in changing your mind. And he will help you put on a new set of clothes. Can I get a witness in the house today? So your fight is an opportunity to throw off the old and embrace the new. It's like my sons. We have three of our four sons that have had braces. Anybody know how expensive that is? Okay. Now, when you have a, a mouth, the teeth kind of go crooked. There's a, a, I got a picture of it. Um, the, the, the teeth are, are crooked they need to be fixed. They need to be uh, straightened out. And so you go to the orthodontist. The orthodontist says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put some braces on those teeth. So they put some post on and some wire between the teeth. Go ahead and show that if you would. Oh, wait. We've got the, there we go. And, and they, they go on the teeth, and then there's this tightening, okay? Now, what, what, what? My boys have had to do is they've, we've dropped them off and they'll go in and the very first time they get it, it hurts. But then they go in every other month or so and they tighten it and it hurts and it's painful. And they are feeling like nothing's really changing. I feel the same pain I did the last time this happened. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Why am I 40-some years old and I'm still dealing with the same temptations I used to deal with? Am I the same person I was when I was in high school? Not if you're following Jesus. You're feeling the pain because God is tightening your braces. And he's straightening you out so that you can become more like Jesus. 
See, really, the, the difficulties we face in our identity and the pain of the conflict that we have is not confirmation in any way that we are wretched, worse than nothing people. No, we already knew that when we came to Jesus. But it's confirmation of another opportunity for the Holy Spirit to tighten you to tighten the teeth and to strengthen you. And when you are in your pain, that is your opportunity for the Holy Spirit to straighten you up. Now you can face your difficulties, your pain, your frustrations and go, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but this sure hurts. And it feels like I've hurt this before. I, I felt this so, so many times before, but would you just tighten me and straighten me out? Because I know you're working on me and you're making out of me something I could never make out of myself. He's straightening us. And then finally, go ahead and show the third picture. Then you got the straight teeth. Now it's all better. Now they have to wear a retainer and it's up to them to make sure that the teeth don't go back to the way they used to be before. But the process of getting braces is the process of following the Spirit. And we have to learn that when we get into those difficult circumstances, when we're frustrated by somebody around us, instead of pointing the finger, which by the way, means that you got three pointing back at you, instead of pointing the finger at them, maybe you need to pause and say, God, in the middle of this, would you help me go to the new closet? Would you change me? And you might still have some old things. You got memories and other things. You know, I could pull out my jacket I can look at it and remember who I was back then when I had a mullet. <laughs> I can remember those days, right? But I can't wear this thing anymore. It don't fit me. It's not, it's not mine anymore. So it's a reminder of God's grace instead of something I go to to control my future. What I want to do is I want to bank my future on the one who knows my soul the best and help me in my relationships around me because he is making me into who he wants me to be. Can I get an amen? amen? Would you stand with me today?